This is Leonard Nimoy. Join me this week in search of an argument. Argument. An argument. <laughs> no, I think that the way it has to work is terrible. I think the way it has to work is okay. no, it has to be five, four, three, two, one, and then say argument. So it's five, four, three, two, one, argument. Okay, so when you say one, we say no, argument. After one. Right? There's a rhythm. It's five, four, three, two, one. Then we all say well, argument. But you gotta say, you gotta say go or something. No, no just no. <laughs> He's, we got it, Jim. silence when the when the host has to start talking on NBC Nightly News. Otherwise, you would hear the producer in the background <laughs> say, go, when the guy says, good evening, I'm Tom Brokaw. Go. Or whoever yeah, go. does it. Okay, but he you don't say, you wouldn't hear okay. the go. All right, all right, all right, go ahead. Where are <laughs> and, and it's just, it's just argument. It's, wait, it's, it's just so it's an argument. argument. Or it's argument. An argument. An argument. Okay. What is the name okay, of our podcast? Ready? An argument. Five, four, three, two, one. An, An argument. argument. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop. Okay. Go Let's try it one more time. Five, four, three, two, one. An, An argument. argument. <laughs> it's never going to be right, you guys. There's a delay. There's a delay on the line. That's fine. That's a, we'll use that. We'll use that. Okay. Yeah, let's go. Are we ready to start? That was Leonard Nimoy from another spectral plane joining us to help kick off our newly retitled podcast. This is Jim Gentilly. I'm with John Heinz, Peggy Bennett, Shelley Cummings. We are spread in four different cities in the United States of America. Social distancing, podcast distancing, and welcome to In Search of an Argument. Yeah, welcome, Jim. I'm going to to suggest that John Heinz, who has worked so diligently low these many months to figure out our new name, should talk about that for a bit before we catch up on what's going on with us. Well, this isn't rocket science stuff. This is like the old podcast was called Two Guys in Search of an Argument because Jim and I started it a long time ago when we were two guys and we used to like to argue a lot. And then it just became... We and we had these. Then suddenly we had fabulous co-hosts, and we were like, "We need a name change." And we went through an enormous quantity of options before deciding that we kind of liked the. I don't know. We liked the reference to the prior art, the prior podcast, but at the same time, we wanted to get rid of the, admittedly overtly sexist and Jim and Johnist um, um, uh, prior title. I just want to clarify, and in keeping with the title of the podcast, argue with you by saying that while Shelly is a fabulous co-host, Peggy is a recurring guest. <laughs> this is true. Agreed. Thank That's... you for that clarification. <laughs> and didn't you didn't you have some thoughts about you don't want to change the name entirely because you didn't want to lose our 12 listeners who would be confused by a new name? Well, so I have since actually learned a lot about the technology involved with podcasting and recording them and pub- publishing them. And the truth is, if you're listening to us, I'm pretty much planning on this. You continuing to get the same podcast in the same feed uh, eternally, so you don't have to do anything. However, I am there is also we, there is also the distinct possibility, and I will know it within the next day or two whether uh, there's a new feed as well. But at any rate, where you're listening now, you can be secure that you will be able to continue listening for the immediate future, and we'll keep you posted as to what's more. But it is. Uh, yeah, there was some issue with the, you know, the internet. So picky about what, like, things you type in the URL. 
And we'll also, there's going to be a new website, right, John? There is a new website. It's already up. It's insearchofanargument.com. And uh, you can go there now. And obviously, the first thing you should do is we will be sending out announcements. We're going to send out a newsletter. It ain't really a newsletter. It's basically just going to be an announcement of new episodes. But if you go to the website and just enter your email address, it's just going to be a little spreadsheet that I'm keeping. And in that spreadsheet, it's going to go directly uh, announcements when new, when new uh, episodes come out will be sent to your inbox, which is a little bit better than perhaps the Apple podcast feed that sometimes uh, And we get all want in. to get more email that we don't read. I think everybody in America wants to get more email. Yeah, exactly. John, exactly. there is somebody we should thank for helping us with the retitling. Too, Nicole right? Serrano! Yes, one of our dedicated listeners, previous guests. Who- and who knew? Genius podcaster. <laughs> and she helped us very much in terms of figuring a lot of this stuff out. So. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, the big question really is, what do we want to do and what do we want to talk about? And that we haven't settled at all. So just to let you know, dear guests uh, and listeners, um, you, we lest you think we've we're, you're going to be hearing some Uber produced production <laughs> with uh, with, you know, a sanitized, perfectly clean, factually based information, you know, like, the, well, you're don't we don't are hold your going breath. to try to have factually based information. We can also have opinions, though. We are going to have arguments and opinions, but we are going to try to ground them in facts. And in that sense, we are going to try to go opposite to the way the president of the United States goes. (laughs) In other words, everybody's entitled to an opinion, but opinions grounded in facts probably have more value. Well, well, let me ask you guys a question, because I do think that one of the things that is obvious in the Internet nowadays, whether it's on Instagram, Twitter or anywhere else, is the abundance of opinions. My question to you guys is, do you, I actually kind of like it. I'm wondering, do you think there are too many opinions and too few facts or too few facts and too many opinions? I'm sorry. Take that, reverse it. I have no idea how to answer that stupid question. Well, no, I mean, do you like, do you, when you go to listen to a podcast or when you slip through Twitter or Facebook, are you looking to hear your friends post things about facts or are you looking to hear what they think about things and feel about things? I say the answer to your first question is yes. I think there's a lot of, I know it wasn't a yes, no question, but I think there's a lot of misinformation. But nonetheless, no, I that's like it. the answer. It's a good strategy. It's a good, the, good, the non-answer is a good strategy. <laughs> no, it's an answer because I think there's a lot Shelley, of- Shelly, honing herself to run for public office here, yes. <laughs> I think there's a lot of misinformation. I think there we're hearing a lot more opinions from people than we have in the past, which- I think we hear opinions about from people around election time or when there's other kind of events that are happening. And then you then they go away for a little bit and then they come back. I don't know that I go to Facebook or social sites to get my facts, um, but I go to hear what the latest buzz or what people are saying or how they're screwing up information. That's you know I think the, so that's why I think the answer is yes I think there's a lot of facts I think there's a lot of non-factual information that's being spread and I think there's a lot more opinions and don't you think that you read things that your friends people you trust might put out and assume that it is probably more true just because you depending on that friend and what you already know about them sure you want to trust, you trust your friends. versus going and doing your yeah, yeah, versus going and doing your own uh, fact f- clarification or fact finding. 
Yeah, I mean, Pe- Peg, this mm-hmm. is kind of what I think, which is, and I don't, and I don't know, and I don't mean this in any. There's, this has nothing to do with like fake news or no fake news. It's not that debate. But to me, that is true. We we value people have always valued the opinions and the information that they get from their friends more than from perhaps official scientists and sources. And I'm not saying that's good or it ever has been good, but it's how people, it's who people trust. People trust their friends. People trust people they know. And, and, and they certainly trust people who are more authoritative, which quite frankly is why Jim and I are friends. Cause Jim, as much as I hate so many things that he says, he's always right. So it's like <laughs> he, uh, so, so. Well, that he, is uh, not true, of course. So, so, so Jim does listen back, but I think that people do, People do. It's a question of trust. And who do you trust? And you trust your friends. And so if you get bad information from your friends, it's a problem. And it's been amplified by social media. But I do mm-hmm. think it's what we it's how the world works. We trust John, our friends. Can I That's comment how it's on always that? Been. One could yeah. make an argument that the story of progress in the world is based on the idea of people stop listening to their friends and neighbors and started paying attention to more authoritative sources. If people just listened to their friends and neighbors, we'd still believe the world was flat. No, I get it, Jim. I don't disagree with you. I get it. That's better. I'm just saying. I understand. I'm not how disagreeing. Do, how do I know if Doctor X is a, is isn't is a isn't a, is a, is a, a huckster? Isn't a fake? John? You are you are you are descriptively accurate in explaining that people rely and 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 there's reasons for that. I mean, the basic idea is we trust what we know, which is, you know, you could also argue in another way that is at the heart of the tribalism that infects us, right? Is that, you know, why what tribalism, you know, which is the underlies racism and sexism and and xenophobia and all that stuff relates back to the old idea that, you know, the people we know, those are our people, everybody else, we don't trust them or they're, there's something wrong with them or they're different than us. I got all that. And you're, and you're at, you're accurate about that. Okay. And there's some reason why that's understandable on some level. The point is we're not, we don't, the fact that that occurs doesn't mean, we're locked into that. We have resources. Well, I'm watching Westworld, and I agree with you, Jim. I understand what you're saying. I, I'm watching Westworld, and Westworld is, for those of you who haven't watched this, the HBO sci-fi thing that, quite frankly, is not very good anymore. But the reason I'm – but the thing that's interesting about it is basically it's a world where, like, the AI becomes – the artificial intelligence becomes so big, it like, you know, it's going to go destroy all the humans. There's been a million science fiction movies and stories about this. But this is one of them where they're coming after humans. They're, they're And, and – and the and the one thing humans have kind of that the AI doesn't, and I think this strangely feeds this opinions over facts debate kind of thing, if that's what it is a debate, is that humans like can respond with emotion and with opinion and with prejudice and with and, and it's not good. I'm not saying it's good, but I'm saying but it, it's strange how it's in this age of like where technology can always give us the right answer, where Google, quite frankly, can usually always give us the right answer. Not always, but I mean, just for basic facts. And so it really problematizes for me, like what, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sympathetic to people who like get lost in, get lost in Facebook for their news. I've said this before. When I first met my husband, he, I would, when I'm sitting in bed in the evening, reading the New York times, he's sitting in the bed in the evening, reading, reading Facebook. And a lot of people are like that. 
I mean, I know a lot of people who get their news from Facebook and it's a problem. I don't think the answer is no Facebook. I think the answer is something more complicated. And that's why I'm hoping this podcast can do it. John, there are a lot of articles on Facebook that are from the New York Times. People post for sure. For there sure. are those articles. So just because you're scrolling through Facebook doesn't mean Facebook is your source of news. You know what I mean? It's not like Facebook writes those. They don't write those Facebook's articles. curated it now. It's now curated through your le- the lens of it's even. You're right, Peggy. It's not the New York Times, but it's also not Facebook. It's it's this customized list of your friends and what your friends have chosen to post that you read. So it's this super, it's this bubble that you've created customized for yourself, right? Right. Because you, yeah, you're, you're just like letting your friends screen it for you thinking, oh, they posted this. They thought this was interesting. I'll check it out. It's just like forwarding somebody an article. Like you forwarded me an article yesterday about the stuff going on in Michigan. So now Mm -hmm. I didn't have to go through the newspaper to find it. You sent it to me. It's no, not different than that necessarily. And then later, I found an article about Michigan on Facebook through some through the other mechanism, you know. So it wasn't Facebook's news, but they had linked it to something. Well, in in defense of the people who say that the opinions are bad on Facebook, I would say that in most cases, and I, I think there's probably, I'm sure Facebook has this data. I'm sure I have a feeling that in most cases, if I forward an article on a New York Times article on Facebook to my friends. And I make a little comment like, you know, asshole Whitmer or asshole Trump or whatever, you know, I want to say at the top of it. I bet a lot of people, I bet a big percentage, like I'd say most, read my comments and not the article. And maybe they even confuse my comments with what the article says, as Jim always points out to me that I misread articles. Oh, I think that's I think that's real. Yeah, I would agree. That's, so that that little comment thing becomes my news as opposed to the article of the New York Times. Just because the article's there doesn't mean that I read it and understood it. <laughs> and that's why we're here today, to explain things to John that he doesn't understand. I think the difference for those of us here on the phone that read and grew up reading, um, folks now want just little quick snapshots of news. You know, little little short vignettes and not a full, you know, New Yorker, New York Times, Wall Street Journal article to sift through because they lose their attention. Well, so so getting so I agree with the Shelley exactly. I think they do. I think we're we're overwhelmed with information. There's so much more good content, for lack of a better word, out there, right? Writing and and so stuff. So we have to have it curated for us. So who are we going to go to? We go to our friends. Do we go to the experts? I mean, I do occasionally Google New York Times best shows on Netflix, and then I'll go watch those things. But I don't do it every time. Right. So you, instead of going to a friend, you're going to your friend, the New York Times, to sift the information to you. Well, I'd like to think the New York Times is more authoritative than a friend, <laughs> but... You know, I don't know. Maybe it is. I would say with the exception of me, that's probably true, John. (laughs) Well, and this is all this all gets to the point of what are we gonna do on this podcast? And it seems to me we maybe we need a massive disclaimer right now at the beginning. Hey everybody listening, we are going to give a lot of opinions and we might be wrong. We're probably wrong often. We're gonna give a lot of opinions doesn't mean we can't try to ground those opinions in fact. Agreed. I never try to be wrong. And I, I have a sense that our 12 listeners... Okay. There's a difference. That's not the same thing, John. I, I was going to say, I have a sense that our 12 listeners are um, also going to check their facts 
on their own and not take us at oh face value. Would that were so, Shelly? <laughs> well, I just had See, this. Shelly, Jim doesn't have that much faith in, in humans, including listeners? anybody. <laughs> I th- I think I I think all of our listeners are wonderful people. Mm-hmm. I also think that as John was lecturing us low several podcasts ago about social responsibility, part of your social responsibility is to be responsible for what you say and how that might potentially affect people. And part of that is not to say things that are you know not, you know, to be clear, if you don't know what you're talking about, to be clear that you know you don't know what you're talking about. So. Well, the, so I just had this discussion with um, my mother-in-law, who we don't agree on politics, and she wanted to talk because more. Because she's she a left-wing we, socialist? Is that why? I think? Yeah. Is that what you mean to say? She, when she said if we talked politics. more about politics, I bet we would agree on more things than we realize. Ooh, and interesting. You're right. And then she went on and on interesting. about telling me all this stuff about, you know, how Obama's trying to take credit for this and he's horrible and blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, so where, what's your source? And she said, I read lots of different things and listen to lots of things. And I said, what, Sean Hannity? She said, yes. I said, Fox News. She said, yes. Rush Limbaugh. She said, yes. And she says she has Fox News on. The moment she gets up in the morning, she turns on Fox News, has it on all day, listens to Sean Hannity in the car. So I said, so I'm not going to listen to that and I'm not going to fact check your stuff because I'm not that interested. And she said, that's the problem with America today. People aren't interested. They should be fact checking. They should be. But yet she's not fact checking. She's just believing what she hears on those news sources. So why don't why don't you make a deal with her that. For a week, you'll watch Fox News if she'll watch MSNBC. Because I have no interest in that. I have zero interest in... But it would be an interesting experiment, wouldn't it? No, it wouldn't. It would be torture and hell. And I don't want to discuss <laughs> it with her. Okay. okay. Thank you. I'm not trying to make... I'm not trying, no. I, well, let me put it this so, way. Just, if so you, you don't want to do it, Do you see what I'm fine. saying? Yeah. That's yes. a useless yeah, discussion. That's a useless discussion to me. So I don't even want to talk about it with her because no, it's it's I pointless. Agree. We're just going to go around in circles. But I mean, it would be interesting to if you, Peg, and I understand if you don't want to do it, you certainly have no obligation to do it. You have better things to do with your time. But it would be useful to take two. That's why I think it would be. You should do it. Let me give you her number. <laughs> I would. Yeah, I'll do, do it. I'll do it with her. I'll do it. But, plus, I don't. But I do think I don't it would cable. be interesting. I don't know. I don't think we've ever had anyone on the podcast who is a Trump supporter. Trump supporter. I think we we haven't because we're trying to avoid arguing like that. Well, who have we had on it? Right. We're in search of an argument. We haven't found one. We're in search of it, but we haven't found one. Okay, (laughs) but I mean, let me just clarify that. I don't want somebody on who's going to, you know, be say racist, horrible things. But I don't think this is my opinion. I don't think that everybody who supports Trump is a racist or anything like no, that. Nor do no. I. So, so I think it would be interesting to to hear uh, that you know to to talk through that. And uh, sure, I you know I think that's an interesting that would be an interesting experiment to see does 
sort of an agreed upon enforced exposure to quote the other side does that if it even if it doesn't change your opinion does it give you any better understanding of the other person's opinion well when you say you don't think everybody who's a trump supporter is a racist that's kind of a I, I agree big that. statement but i i believe that you, disagree with you that? get a pass for voting for him the first time around. But if you vote for him the second time around, then you are a racist. Well, what's changed, Peg? We know more about him. I mean, like I didn't what? know what an absolute psycho he was before he became our president. Well, you, knew I just... about the, you knew about the grabbing the crotch video, yeah, right? Okay, you knew but... about that, the sexism. You knew yeah. about... You knew all the years of things he had done in New York and all the articles written. I mean, it's not like he hasn't been in the spotlight for a very long time. What yeah, but I've new- never listened to him like I have to listen to him now. You know what I mean? I guess I didn't pay that much attention. I just thought he was a big buffoon firing people on a reality TV okay. show. Filing just to be for bankruptcy. clear, none of us supports Trump. I don't support Trump. But let, let, Peg, let me ask, and let me ask John and Shelley this. <laughs> What do you say to someone who doesn't like Trump, say, but is a conservative, believes in conservative principles, believes there should be conservative judges, perhaps they're pro-life, they, they find abortion deeply unsettling. What do you say to them about voting when the alternative is, if you don't vote for Trump, essentially you're supporting a Democrat who is not conservative and not pro-life. Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. And I I know of people who said they voted for Trump just because they wanted their conservative Supreme Court justice because of abortion. And she said, I had mm-hmm. to plug my nose when I voted for him. And And I mean, I don't think that those people are necessarily racist. I think that no. they and that's what I think the first time around. But now that you've heard him say all these horrible racist things, then, I mean, I'm a believer in voting and um, don't also don't like the op- option that I know a lot of other people took that didn't vote at all because they didn't like either party's candidate. Mm-hmm. So I, it's a tough one. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. But my my conversations, not to cut you off, Peggy, but the conversations that I've had along the same vein are that those folks would rather not vote than vote for somebody that they can't get behind, um, even if it wasn't, you know, completely aligned with their or even partially aligned. So they'd rather just not vote because they don't want to have the like they're endorsing somebody else. I know your point, Jim, by not voting, you're de facto supporting the other person, but they don't feel that way. You don't have to. I mean, look, it's a free country. You don't have to vote. The fact is that most of the studies of people who don't vote show that it's a very small percentage of people who don't vote are what are considered high information non-voters. In other words, most people who don't vote are people who are basically not interested or only mildly interested. Mm -hmm. The uh, there are some non-voters who pay a lot of attention and make a decision not to vote based on, you know, uh, principle like that. And that's fine. That's their choice. I think people, you know, I think people should have a choice. I, you know, there are countries where I think 
or at least there used to be, I think, behind the Iron Curtain where it was illegal not to vote. And we certainly don't want to want to make that the case. But, you know, people vote, should vote if they, you know, if they don't want to vote, they don't want to vote. But um, but I mean, I do think the point is that I do think that it is a. Uh, I think that you can I think there are people that sometimes we support people. I mean. History teaches us that people make deals with the devil and uh well let me let me jump in there jim so yeah. the it, between the four of us i think that i'm probably i think probably shelly and i are, have, are probably if we were to rank us left to right i think jim and peg are probably further left and shelly and i are a little more like in the center you know i think i think we're probably a little more just based on kind of things that we've talked about over time but mm-hmm. there's no question in my mind that i know i myself and i know many 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 democrats who have said exactly what Peggy said her friend said about Trump about a Democrat, which is I, I voted for I'm voting for Biden. He's not my candidate, but I'm voting for him. I'm going to hold my nose in because they got to get a Democrat in there. That's in other me. words, they're essentially That's voting me. for the party. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of people. It's a I lot don't of like people. Him. So uh, so is that so uh, that may happen two terms. <laughs> you know, after it comes out in the first after he gets if let's say Biden gets elected and then it comes out in his first term that he did, you know, whatever, because there was some sexual abuse scandal that becomes real. And there is some, you know, uh, Ukrainian finance deal that becomes scandal that becomes real. And yeah. all this information comes out and you hear him talking for an entire term, four years. And you're like, this guy's kind of an idiot. I don't really, I don't want to vote for him. Mm-hmm. Are you are you going to vote for him again or are you going to vote for the Republican? I mean, it's. The, at some point, this isn't this isn't unusual to a party. It depends. No, it it kind of happens every is. year, every four years, right? It depends. Like I, I know the same person who told me they plugged their nose to vote for Trump the first time around. She's going to vote for Biden, and she's going to plug her nose. But she dislikes Trump so much after his term, well, see, first that, term. My friends is why Biden very very well win the election this time. But she would because never absolutely. vote for. Bernie Sanders, right? So, absolutely. So, and if absolutely. he she would have voted there's, for Trump again, and you're right, and, I'm. It's by saying he's a they're racist is a bit extreme, but I'm just trying to. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that in my mind, there's no question that Trump himself is a racist, but I don't think everybody who's, who votes for him is a racist. I mean, and again, no, I agree. I take. We it can back. have my son John on, and he can explain to us why we're all racist or something like that, <laughs> which we probably all are. The New York some, bubble. No, the New no, York I bubble. I mean, to be fair, and John spent this is John part of John's what he does for work. I mean, to be fair, there's probably a level at which that's true. We all probably retain, you know, racial uh, biases, sure. even if they're subtle and even if they're implicit and so forth and so on. But we're four white uh, people. We for sure but, are. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but anyway, I I didn't know that our first under the new title was going to be a Trump discussion. Uh, I don't know if this is a Trump discussion as much as it is. It's for me. This is a yeah. an elaborate yeah. defense of our opinions. I don't know if. Well, that's no, true, I disagree but... because I don't really have strong opinions, even though. Peg, there are certain things you do have strong opinions. Peg, did you work on a did you work on a political campaign recently? Yeah, I did, but uh, (laughs) you know what? (laughs) You worked on a political campaign for a woman who may be. Didn't your mother work on a political campaign for a woman who may be the next vice president of the United States? (laughs) She's a high school classmate. I probably wouldn't have gotten as involved if I didn't know her. 
It's a friend. I see. You, would, you don't really very like strong her. opinions on the following subjects. Why she should not have her picture on the website for the. That's podcast. number one. Yeah. She has strong um, opinions about the proper way to name. do international travel. Her, her last name, not using not her last really, name, not being um, a co-host. Like, I'm not as smart as you guys. I'm not as interested oh, either. My not, God. Oh, that's not true, Peggy. You're right. <laughs> no, I'm not. Right. I don't read. I don't read all this political stuff. I am one of those people that like it when somebody sends me an article. So then I don't have to seek it out myself. You're probably smarter because you don't read. Uh, I don't read the New Yorker in its entirety. I I don't read the New Yorker in its entirety. That has got to be the quote of the day. I'm not very smart because I don't read the New York Times in its the New Yorker in its entirety. By the way, Peggy is referring in that comment to the fact that at one point I was such an arrogant ass that when I was younger and I read the New Yorker that I once said that if I dated somebody who didn't read the New Yorker cover to cover, I would have to break up with them. I mean, that's how (laughs) stupid I was. So that is is among the dumbest things, Peggy, I've ever heard. You say the fact that you can even get through one article of the New Yorker puts you in the top one percent of educated no, people on the planet. No, no, it it proves that it proves that Peggy, like John, has a little bit of John's ridiculous pretentiousness. Well, you have to re- you have to be careful what you say about Peggy or to Peggy because she will remember it. <laughs> she will bring it back like that cover to cover New Yorker. She's yeah. got a amazing memory. Say, it's a well known yeah. fact that people aren't smart. Become, you know, what is it? What is it? A pediatric yeah, nurse? No, yeah, no, I should put it. She's a nurse with a... dying babies. Yeah, I know. No, it's not that, like that. And I think, I, oh. I think that's where we should put the stupid people in our society, taking care of dying babies. That's what we should. Well, no, Peggy also <laughs> no, was in. Oh, Peggy gosh. also was in a country it's helping uh, tuberculosis-resistant patients get better in Uzbekistan. And that's where we should send our stupid people. To stop, do, right? stop! 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 And my I favorite have story that. is that Peggy was a, Peggy was was escorted out and Darfur on a United Nations helicopter. You've gotten the point. You shouldn't have said it because it's not true. By the way, it's. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. John, but, Peggy, Shelley, would you like to hear some facts today? Sure. I've yeah. done a little research. I was doing no. some research on the- Shelley's not ni- interested in facts. <laughs> okay. I was doing some research on the 1918 <laughs> flu pandemic, just to give us some perspective to the 2020 coronavirus pandemic. As of this morning, according to the New York Times- there are uh, 238,189 deaths worldwide, 64,871 deaths in the United States. Would any of you like to guess how many deaths, according to the CDC, there were from the 1918 flu pandemic worldwide? Um, how many deaths worldwide from the flu pandemic? The Spanish right. flu? I'm going to say it was Spanish flu, which again, probably to be fair, that's probably just as much a uh, imperfect way of describing it as it would be to call this the Chinese virus. So just I know that that was traditionally how it was described, but it's a flu pandemic. You know, it's not like it wasn't created by the Spanish in a laboratory. It's a flu pandemic. Worldwide. Worldwide. Now, bear in mind. Right now, the population of the world is approximately 8 billion. At, at, in 1918, the world population was approximately 1.5 billion. So 
the world population has increased by more than five times in the last hundred years? I'd say 30 million. John, Peggy, you guys want to guess? I'll say 50 million. Peggy? I'll say 18 million. Say 50 million in okay, one. Okay, now <laughs> I'm going to tell you that according to the CDC, John Heinz, who probably cheated and looked up on his phone. I did. You took too long. I already, I already, and I texted it to you guys. I totally cheated. So John, of course, proved that if you cheat, you can be right. However, Peggy and Shelly are not website I like. It's the visual history of pandemics. Yeah. Yeah, Peggy and Shelly are not wrong because there is a controversy about it because data was not, I know there are data collection problems today, but it was even more haphazard a hundred years ago. There are some who put the estimate, the flu death estimate, as low as 17 billion. So there's a broad billion? range. Million, million. Million, oh. sorry. 17 million. So there is a broad range of the estimate of what the worldwide death toll was. How about, John, without cheating this time, what do you think the U.S. death toll was in 1918? That's a good question because I thought that part of the reason the Spanish flu got around so much was because of the war. So that makes me think the U S would be way lower, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I, so I'll just take a while. The U S population in 1918 was 103 million today. It's about 320. So I will say 500,000. Huh? I'll say 500,000. Anybody else? What's the question? How many (laughs) in the U S only Spanish flu only U S. John, please stop saying the Spanish flu. I'll say six hundred Spanish th- flu. I'll say six hundred thousand. It's a misnomer. Um, I'll say four hundred thousand nine <laughs> and nine. <laughs> no, no, no. Good job. Good Taking job. Taking the Tiger. price Good is job. right. <laughs> well, Shelly is closest. It's six hundred and seventy-five thousand. Darn it. I almost went the higher. You should have gone high. So <laughs> gone high. just to, and again, I just want to be very clear. There are 64,000 yeah. deaths, 64,871 deaths in the U.S. We're nowhere near it. And that, well, wait a minute. What I was going to say is, obviously, 65,000 deaths from one cause and, and rising, it's not going to stop there, obviously. I mean, that's a terrible, terrible tragedy. So we shouldn't underplay that tragedy. I mean, we shouldn't, you know, be dismissive of the significance of that because it's very significant. But the equivalent number... The percentage equivalent number of deaths given the U.S. current population would be about 2.2 million. In other words, to get the same percentage of the U.S. population to die, you'd have to have about 2.2 million deaths from this pandemic. Jim, I love the fact that you're taking the heat off of this because I got to be honest. I feel like every week this goes on longer the pressure gets a little bit worse. Like little things are happening that are at home and around family and with friends. And it feels like things are just getting a little more stressful and a little worse. So this is, it is really nice to have you come on here and kind of take, turn the heat down. So I, (laughs) I'm going to add to that a little bit. So very, my very small town in Northern Indiana, Logansport has a Tyson meatpacking plant and Ah. about 900 employees in that, uh, pork processing plant have tested positive for COVID. It's a high, COVID. It's the highest in the state. 
Wow. Which is crazy because that town is like, I don't know, 16,000 like people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Shelly, that's not where you live now. That's where you're from, right? That's where I grew up. Yes. My okay, parents okay. live there. Okay. Just to clarify. Yeah. Just, yeah. So it, there's these, this is why I personally am a little worried about um, the states that are opening because I feel like it's not a, it's not equally distributed in the state where the cases are. So the small town in Northern Indiana has this high concentration, yeah. but maybe there's not as much in Southern Indiana, but they're going to open statewide. Yeah, that's scary. Well, I think it's that's scary. a good point. And I think, you know, the point, and again, I don't, I'm certainly not an expert on every state. And hopefully the governors who are responsible for making these decisions know more about this. But in a, in a natural yeah. disaster, it's, you don't necessarily, depending on where the natural disaster hits, you don't necessarily shut down the entire state or you don't necessarily have the same situation in the entire state. So it seems to me that there may be circumstances in which it's reasonable to say we're going to have one sort of set of rules here and another set of rules someplace else based on the local conditions. The other thing that it raises about the meatpacking plant you raise is, Shelley, is this, is Congress is going to be faced with some decision about how we're going to deal with these. I, I assume we can all agree that, broadly speaking, the production of food is an essential industry that we need to keep going. So how do we deal with the problems of protecting the workers in those industries and from the other side is protecting the owners of those industries? The uh, One of the things that Republicans are seeking to do in the next round of funding is to attach some liability protections for the owners yep, of businesses. Yep, yep. Which honestly, speaking for myself, under As appropriate a conditions, I don't have a problem with because none of the owners of businesses created this pandemic. It it uh just to go another historical perspective, during World War II. No, the Chinese did. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Donald. In a lab. <laughs> uh, in a lab. Yes, in a lab, yes. Um, Gotta let go of that. Um, during World War II, they had various, they had various different federal yeah, agencies yeah, yeah. That, that would regulate industrial standards. It seems to me the solution to this is you figure out what can we do best to reasonably protect the safety of the workers in these, quote, essential industries? You, you say, this is what we're going to require, whether it's testing, protective equipment, whatever. Uh, and as long as businesses follow those protocols, then I don't see any reason why I wouldn't have any philosophical opposition to saying that they're... Me neither. Uh, the problem isn't that, Jim. The problem is that people don't trust that that that's the real agenda that this is really and that this is an opportunist rightist opportunity to free for conservatives to come in and gut um gut health and safety protections for workers and that it'll never go back to the way it was and that's that's not a question of fact 
That is a question of trust. And people do not trust people. For example, in Illinois, the uh, the governor of Illinois shipped a bunch of um, of masks from China. And one of the claims that the the Illinois governor and Illinois legislature made for why they did that was because they did not trust that the federal government was going to give the ones that they were getting shipped from China to the U.S. to Illinois so that Illinois could give it to its healthcare workers. That's when that kind of rhetoric doesn't benefit anybody. It's it makes it all about politics and it doesn't make it about problem solving. I don't know how we get past it being about politics, but we have to. Okay, but to be fair, we have passed the US Congress has passed three very large bills with overwhelming bipartisan majorities that have started to address uh, you know, some of the economic fallout from this thing. So while it's true that partisanship hasn't been eliminated, uh, it is also true that a lot of progress has been made in practically dealing with things. I would also point out to you that that polling shows that support for maintaining social distancing and for not opening up the economy too early shows overwhelmingly strong support among both Democrats and Republicans. There is no evidence that the overwhelming majority of Republicans say, yes, we should maintain social distancing, and yes, we should not open up the economy too early, because Republicans, neither Republicans nor Democrats want to die, want to commit suicide. I get suicide. it. Let me ask you a question. Shelley and Peggy, do you guys think that the Democrat, that, that the Senate and Congress generally is working, uh, is, is working effectively right now? Ask it again. You were kind of staticky. Right now or ever? Do you think that Congress is working effectively right now? The federal government is working effectively oh. right now. Well, wait a minute. That's two different questions, John. I know. I, let's go with the second mm. one because I had I forgot what I said the first time. See, this is where I, when I say the thing about I'm not that smart, I am I'm not paying that much attention because it doesn't... Yeah, but you're a voter. So what do you yeah. think? Yeah. And I like Shelley's comment about ever because basically... Do they ever work effectively? I agree with Shelley's little snide comment. <laughs> I, I want to know what you define effectively. How do how how would you define working I don't know. effectively? Is, is 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 are they doing the best they can do? Are they do or are they doing no, as well as you not. think they can do? As well as they can do, given their you know given the no, context, they can always do better. I I think they could always do better, but I think given that they are all, we are all facing an unknown and a mixture of truths and untruths, I think they're doing the best that they can. Could they do better? Absolutely. So can I answer being the question, jerks John? with each other? Because yeah. the federal government is a lot of different things. Is the president doing a very good job right now? In my opinion, no. No, but are some of the federal agencies like, for example, in my opinion, uh, I have a lot of faith in what Dr. Anthony Fauci says. And I think that a lot of people have a lot of faith. In Jim, I just want to know, overall, government is government well, doing the best but, job but to keep the economy comp- afloat and save John, lives. That's John, it. But, but don't parse it. You're 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 giving an equivocating answer. John, I just want to know about takeaway. Federal and state government, or just I, federal I, government? Well, that I think. I'm, listen, I'm saying, do people I would say, at home? I would say, average people think government is doing its except job. Except for the president and his immediate circle, the federal government is doing a good job. Yeah, but that doesn't. That doesn't. The, theoretically, that Congress can override the president on certain things. So I just want to know takeaway overall. I think that I think 
I will say this, that I think the congressional aid packages have been very good, and there's going to be more. And I think they've done a good job. Has it been perfect? No. But I think the, the, the first three congressional aid packages have been good and strong and helpful, and they need to do more, but they will do more. I think that the a lot of the, quote, bureaucracy of the federal government, such as represented by NIH and so forth, has done a has done a admirable job. I think that the leadership in the White House has been poor. I think that I don't know the details of every state government, but I think that in a lot of states, whether the governors are Democratic or Republican, there has been strong leadership in a lot of state governments. And that's reflected, by the way, in the polls that show a lot of very strong support, bipartisan support, for governors in in many of the most hard affected states. Okay, okay. People you've focus got, you got, on. Wait a minute. Let me no, you give me eight sentences, me... Jim. You get three. You get three or four <laughs> sentences. You're like go on for like twenty minutes. Make yeah, your point. Yeah, you're going on a little... pithy, pithy, pithy. Make a point. I, I want to make I the point the... that people focus on all these demonstrators in Michigan the other day, but the polls show that overwhelmingly okay. people support Governor Okay, Whitmer. great. So I saw, I don't know if you guys saw this, I saw Anderson Cooper, who I'm so excited, is following my lead and had a baby, um, that uh, I was very excited <laughs> to hear that news yesterday. But sure I saw does. Anderson Cooper interviewing the mayor of Las Vegas. Did you guys see that interview? No. no. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So the mayor of Las Vegas... In, in no world where she was being interviewed would one say that she was being honest or, 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 or not political. She was saying we need to open Las Vegas. Obviously, she's saying it because she wants the revenue from the tourism and she wants to get back to work. When Anderson Cooper said to her, well, Mayor, if, you, if, if it opens, will you yourself go on the floor of the casinos and be there with the workers who are going to be there every day risking their lives, you know, possibly getting this pandemic? And she said, I have a family. Oh, my God. Oh my god. Yeah, what a be. Like why would you So, you know, in what world is that good government? It's not, but you're talking about the mayor of Las Vegas. That's a bad she's a bad Well, so I'm ridiculous. what I'm saying is there's good and bad and I get it, but that's obviously political. It's just obvious, right? It's like it's it's laid bare. I mean, Trump does well, this all the time. What sense is we that political? That. The mayor of Las Vegas is a democrat. I don't listen. I don't care. I don't think it's it's. I don't care what party it is. She is advocating for her economic for economic growth immediately over the health of her people, including herself. Her In workers. my opinion, the mayor of Las Vegas will pay a political price for taking this short sighted stand. Mm-hmm. So if she thinks that this is a smart thing to do, I think she will be proven wrong. Time will tell. As Bob Dylan said, time will tell who has fell and who's been left behind. When you go your way and I go mine. Well, so I got to, I love that quote. So I want to know what you guys are doing differently this week from the last time we talked. What's new with the pandemic in your lives? Who do you want to go first? You, Peggy. Peggy. We always want Peggy. Um, nothing. <laughs> the end. Next. Peggy, what did you do last Next. night? There's nothing new. I went over to a, to a friend's house, but you know what? We, oh, we decided. Social distancing violator. <laughs> we were we did stay outside and we did stay apart and we uh, made a pact from the beginning that we were the only ones who uh, we were going to see them early on. So we've seen them maybe like once every two weeks and we do it for a short That's amount nice. of time and it's always outside. So we wait until it's That's nice. Cool. So, yeah, it was, was bad. Teasing. It's it's bad. 
but so they did they they're not seeing they didn't make that same pact with other people too no they didn't except they have kids but they they waited till their kids were out of the house last night to uh have us over so their kids to violate the law yeah (laughs) so is this the first time you've done this or have you been doing this nonstop since the pandemic began no i we've done it since it began every two weeks i said we've seen them they walked over one night the last time we talked, you were going into work. Are you still going in? Yeah, I had to go three days this week, and I'll go Monday, um, and then hopefully I don't have to go anymore. They just announced a bunch of layoffs at my job uh, yesterday, lots of emotional Zoom meetings oh. listing oh, the, the people who got laid off, and my, I'm, my job is grant-funded, so my position is protected. But our group lost five people. So that was a sad day. So you're starting, I'm starting to see the effects of the pandemic, at least uh, professionally with people's employment, which you knew was coming. So bizarre about a hospital, but it's just the way it is. Yeah. Right. Ironic. Ironic. Yeah. Were they permanently laid off or they just, are they furloughed? No, they're not furloughed. They're not laid off. They're not fired. So they can come back. If there's a job opening, they can apply for it and be hired back, but maybe not their same job. Okay. So they left in good standing you know, they weren't, they were laid Mm -hmm. off due to positions being eliminated, not Uh, for poor work showing or anything like that. Positions. Physicians. What are they doing? What are they doing for like you guys to make oh. sure? Are they doing testing? Are they checking for fevers? Are they doing any? No, you still have to fill out that thing I told you guys about a couple of weeks ago. We still have to fill out every day online about have you been screened by the COVID screening hotline? Do you have a fever? Blah blah blah. And you have this green check mark that you have to show to get in, and you have to wear a mask. But you don't have to. It's they've definitely loosened already the criteria they've opened more of the entrances there were certain entrances that were locked and people could only come in certain ways so it's uh definitely loosening a little but you there's still somebody standing there handing out masks and um making sure they screen all visitors and there's still a strict visitor policy so anybody who has somebody that they need like to have surgery you have to have a special compensation to have somebody come visit you or so it's, yeah, they still have some things. The cafeteria is different. You can't reach in and grab what you want. Somebody has to hand it to you. Somebody wearing a mask behind the plexiglass. And let's hope that stays permanently true. Yeah. The sneeze (laughs) guard. That would be nice. Yeah. seems like wise. I was wondering, but say, wait, before you go on to that, and actually I want to wrap up because I want to do an exercise class at 10, but um, <laughs> the stimulus check. you have a strong check. opinion about that, Peggy? Um, go ahead. I, I don't feel like I deserve the stimulus check, nor does Charlie. We're still getting paid. We still have our same exact so salary. Peg, you know what you do yeah. then? Spend that spend money. The check. Yeah. Spend that money. <laughs> yeah, or give Don't it put to it me. in the bank. Spend it. And that <laughs> yeah. will help the economy. You guys okay? got a stimulus check? Not yet. I haven't gotten Not it because I haven't done my taxes. But okay. um, I know people who have gotten it. Yeah, and that's what we said. We'll spend it or... People have a misunderstanding of how the economy works. It's not a matter of deserving yeah. the money. It's spending the money. So that keeps the economy going. Yeah. I'll buy some green pans or something. Okay. Next. <laughs> Shelly. 
Uh, what have I done? What am I doing differently than I've done before? Anything new? Uh, update. Uh, so Peggy, my you still have com- to give us a recommendation. Don't forget. So think about it now. But go ahead. Freak, a recommendation. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's a new thing. We've never done it before on the podcast, <laughs> Peggy. <laughs> my company's preparing for us to go back out into hospitals and interact with um, providers and genetic counselors and nurses. So they sent us in the mail yesterday a packet of masks, just the cloth ah. masks. And then eventually we're going to have, um, no, these are paper masks. We're going to have cloth masks sent to us that have like our, a, a subtle logo on logo. the side. Sure. That Never says miss a like, branding opportunity. <laughs> in this together or something. Um, because after all, when they find your your comatose corpse they want to be able to know who you worked for when all they oh, right i guess nice jim nice jim while states might be opening that doesn't mean that hospitals are going to allow our sales reps and our medical people to come in and have those meetings so it'll be interesting to see right. how this plays out but it you know, the cup my company's really great in that they're understanding that like if i'm in indiana and we still are on lockdown i don't have to travel even though i might be going to a different state that is open. So, um, there's yeah, a lot complex of complex fast. Yeah. There's a lot of flexibility. Um, right so now. You're not so I, eager to get back out there, right. At this point yet. Right. I'm eager in the sense that I'm just going batshit crazy, um, living alone and just, you know, not yep. <laughs> finding yep. ways to entertain myself without yep. that don't involve eating or alcohol. Right. Um, right. amen, but, sister. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but the weather now that the weather's breaking, I can get outside and do more things. But I, I I'm, I'm, cautious. I want to be cautious when you know because I'm in airports and places that are just highly touched and sneezed upon by people. Yep. So we'll, we'll play it by ear and see see what it looks like. I I think I'm come come to the realization that my family trip at the end of June probably won't happen. Yeah, which is probably the most disappointing out of this no, whole. No, don't say it. Thing. Don't say it yet. I'm still hoping my family trip in June 12th is going to happen. Oh, I'm oh well, up in yet. August. Yeah, yours is a week ahead of ours, and we have to give a uh, deposit, the other part of the deposit, pretty soon. So I don't know. So I guess I think what's changed since last time is I am a little more depressed about the whole situation mm-hmm. which caused me to do some retail online shopping recently retail therapy retail therapy, retail therapy. yeah stimulate the economy yes that's good. <laughs> buying is good good no i mean that's that's true did you buy from uh, amazon nothing i well i regularly get from amazon just because if i want something i want something now but i i buy right. a bunch of clothes and shoes and new purses Oh. Sweet. No, 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 no. When we do the pack. Zoom version of this podcast, you can model for us, Shelly. Yes. Uh, no new, nothing new from me. I hurt my knee last Sunday and oh. I'm getting Gardening? fatter. No, I was walking to the grocery store and I must have slipped or something. And it doesn't help that I'm like incredibly Aww. fat. But uh, <laughs> but I've been in pain all week from my knee, but it's feeling better. Now. Oh, that's yes, terrible. Yes, John, what's new with you? How about psychologically? John, 
we we don't have much time, so you have to give you your update, okay. and then we have to give recommendations. No, my update is uh, I, I'm kind of along the lines of Shelley. Just I mean, I didn't do the shopping, but I am. It's it's a it's a bummer time. The yeah. you know the the uh, overall, but I will say I've had some major bright spots, which is that my son has started gripping things. Um, <laughs> he is talking in with gibberish like voraciously, uh, and my husband. My husband got six new baby chicks put into the chicken coop that he built for the back of the house. And the, the chicks are so cute. It's almost unbelievable. They are so cute. They're like cheeping all the time. And they run around the backyard and uh, they all stay together in a little huddle. And we've taken pictures. Uh, there are different breeds from Germany, Egypt, Egypt uh, Italy. America and somewhere Designer. else, so they've got names. They've got names commensurate or matching their their national origins. Uh, wow. And some of them lay green eggs, and some of them lay. I Wait, there the are color you is. eggs? They're little no, babies. They, they, they won't lay eggs for like eight weeks, six months. Oh. How long? A month? If there is a major months, disruption to the food supply line, you can slaughter and eat them, right, John? Well, we're going to eat eggs. We're just going to eat a lot of omelets. We're going to be there. <laughs> apparently, a good chicken and shell. You probably know this better than I do. I just learned this. That a good chicken will may, lay an egg a day. Yeah, so we're gonna have a lot of eggs, Shelly. Are you like a farmer, Shelly? Do you know how do you know this? Uh, yeah. So my grandmother lived a farm, lived on oh, a farm, and we took care of it. So we had cows, chicken, sheep. I hated chickens; they're so stinky and smelly. But John, they get upset, and Great. if they get upset, they don't lay their eggs. So keep. Well, them I upset everyone, so they're not going to lay any eggs. They'll be fine. Are they? They'll do they get fine. upset if they're late for exercise class, Peggy? <laughs> Yeah, that's Peggy. What, they... what is your recommendation? Yeah. Um, I I recommend recommend um, either taking a nap or exercising in the middle of a work day. I never Good because idea. I always go to work. So so that that would seem like those are opposite suggestions. Like in the middle of the work day, <laughs> nap or you exercise. should go to sleep or you should exercise. It or seems like both. those are the like opposite. Points of view, and then you right? and then you have you're reinvigorated to go back to work. I love this. That's one thing I'm liking about. I working fully from endorse home. that, and I have been doing that even pre-COVID when I would so go to my gym. So, which were you doing? Were you exercising or taking exercising? The nap? Okay. I, I wasn't doing the nap. It is. It's, it really invigorates you to have that break and then come back, yeah. and then you Step are recharged. Away. Okay, I get it. Yep. Take a break. I like it. Well, why not? Okay, that's know. my recommendation. All right, Shelly. My recommendation is, of course, a Netflix movie or a series called um, Money Heist. Ooh. And it is um, Spanish. So you have to adjust to uh, the English Subtitle. words. Not I didn't I don't have subtitles. It's in it's in English, but um, it doesn't match the movement of their mouths. Oh, it's dubbed. Mm. It's dubbed. dubbed. Yeah, I was blanking on that word. Uh, it's good. I just finished season one last night, started season two at like 1230 in the morning because I couldn't nice. stop. Nice. Um, it's, it's, what was Amazon shut down? So you had to like, um, watch. What's that? Why, otherwise you could have been shopping on Amazon at 1230. Right. No, I had to put the, I had to stop that activity. Um, it's, it's really good. It has it all. It has violence, sex, language, nudity. Gay, straight, the whole thing. It's um, nice. smoking. It's I love that they put that as a word. Nice. Smoking, smoking, smoking is back. Smoke. <laughs> yep. Drugs. Nah, what else? So it's 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 good. Um, it's got a lot of emotion. Um, 
No bestiality. No. Uh, so I recommend it. It's <laughs> well, that's I really a like deal it. killer for me. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 And I got love it, Shell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah. Go ahead. I want to recommend. I've been binge watching the TV series Mom. And uh, first of all, watching, listening, and watching to Alice and Janney read from a telephone book. She's would great. Be entertaining. Yeah, she's amazing. And uh, Anna Ferris, who's the other co-star of this, is underrated. There are many other people who are actually quite good. French Stewart has a recurring role as a chef, Rudy, and he's hilariously funny. But in addition to the fact that it's pretty well written and it's reasonably funny, it is a sitcom. It does have its weaker episodes. But it's actually about something good, which is both of the main characters and most of the other characters in this are people who are in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. And it's a show about people trying to get better, trying to make themselves better one day at a time, and trying to help other people be better one day at a time. I think that's a good thing. My recommendation is Slouching Toward Bethlehem by Joan Didion, which I don't. I think Jim recommended once in the past, but I just read it. I've actually never really read good. it. I never read it. I read it and I was almost, I was crying. The, I mean, the, I actually, I, the, the essay, it's a book of essays yeah. about, and you know, it's kind of famed for being the book that kind of, I don't know, Jim, you can word it better than I can, but it, for me, it's like the book that kind of created the myth of California as we think of it. It certainly today. helped create the myth of California in the sixties. Sure. Yeah. And it's, and the, and the, the, the particular essay that really jumped out at me is the one about Hawaii for some reason. It's amazing. It's kind of a post uh, well, it's it's a fascinating essay, and it's because she blends this reporting and personal yeah. style of writing. I think we'd call it personal narrative writing today, but back then, I guess it was kind of innovative. Uh, or well, maybe it, it was might have part been totally of what they innovative. called the new journalism in those days. The same thing. I like Tom it. Wolf. It's how I think journalism should Gay be because I think it's less. It's more honest than journalists who think they're are totally objective. Because I don't believe in total objectivity. I think everybody's got a voice, and so I really like the way she writes. That was certainly the idea. It's interesting because I am rereading the electric Kool-Aid acid test by Tom Wolfe, which was one of the probably the most famous example of the new journalism from the 1960s. Cool. I'll check that. Maybe I'll check that out. Well, thank you for listening today, everybody. I've already uh, kind of gone over a lot of my appeals to you, but my first appeal is if you like this show, it is probably going to be, it may or may not be a new feed in your, in your, in your feed, uh, a new, a new episode, a new show in your feed. But if it is, Give us a rating on iTunes. That makes a huge difference. But honestly, the more I think about it, what really matters is if you like the show, just mention it to someone. That would go a long way for uh, getting us to get the word out about what we're doing. You can reach out to us on our website. It's insearchofanargument.com. And uh, we are looking forward to hearing from you sooner than later. Thanks for listening.